Hey there. Thanks for joining us for the latest podcast from Resound Church. We really believe that together we are better. And our heart is to reach, send, nurture and disciple people as they become all that God has intended them to be. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or head over to our website resound.church forward slash app to grab our app which will keep you up to date with everything going on. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Good morning, Resound Church. It's great to be with you this morning. My name is Louise, and along with my husband, Dom, we pastor Sunny Hill Church uh, in England, which is on the south coast of Paul. <laughs> it's great to be with you this morning. It's a real pleasure and a privilege to speak to Resound Church. Dom and I, we got to come over and spend some time with you guys over in 2019, and we just had an absolute blast. Is that an Australian word? It feels like an Australian word. We had a blast, and uh, we had an amazing time with you guys. As soon as we walked through the door of Resound Church, we just felt an instant connection and a home from home vibe. And so we just love you guys. We love your leaders. We love Trent and Sarah and Wayne and Ruth. And, and actually, we got to hang out quite a lot with Wayne and Ruth when we were over with you guys. We got to stay in their house. And my kids, I've got three boys, and they just love Wayne and Ruth to bits. And uh, my two-year-old, Zeke, uh, well, he's four now, but he was two when we were over in Australia. And he just adored Wayne and Ruth. But he's come back with a slightly confused memory of what they are and who they are like and he's kind of made them into this one being so uh, when he talks about them now he says I love Wayne and Ruth but the girl one (laughs) and (laughs) Wayne and Ruth are really funny but the boy one (laughs) so uh, we hope it won't be too long before you guys get to come back or we get to come and see you and hopefully we can kind of separate you two out and and teach him which one is which in this uh, in this marriage, this weird marriage that you must have in his eyes, I don't know. Uh, But it's great to be with you, and happy Mother's Day. It is Mother's Day in Australia. Woohoo! Hope there's cheers of celebration happening in Resound Church, honouring the mothers. We love mums. We know that this year has been really tough for mums, actually. Uh, We love you, mums! It's been really hard. Parenting in a pandemic is just mad, right? It's just solid. And and I know that for a a lot of mums, they've taken on the responsibility of all the home education, too. So if that's you, if you have home-educated your children during this pandemic, you deserve a double blessing, a double portion this morning. And if you have teenagers too, just generally speaking, if you have teenagers, you deserve favor on you this morning. Uh, And if you are a a biological mother or an adoptive mother or a foster mother, or even if you know what, you don't have your own kids, but yet you have that kind of, that mothering nature to you, you're just such a blessing and an honor. I know that uh, I uh, moved away from home (laughs) when I was 18. I went to university and my university was a whole two and a half hours away from where I grew up. Whole two and a half hours. And, uh, you know, that seems like nothing in Australia. I know I've driven in Australia. You guys just nip to the shop and it's a five-hour journey. Um, But in the UK, two and a half hours, if you separate yourself for two and a half hours from someone distance-wise, that means you never see that person again. Like, pretty much, you don't see that person again. So when I left home at 18, two and a half hours away from where my mum lived, I barely saw her for decades. Um, so I really leaned into the support. <laughs> I'm so old. I just I failed my degree so many times. I was there for decades. Um, but I so leaned into the wisdom and the support of other women around me as I, as I became a wife, as I became a mother. You other mothers out there are just absolutely amazing. Happy Mother's Day to you. Um, 
I'm going to be bringing a word this morning called I am not throwing away my shot. And if you have watched Hamilton, then hopefully this will ring a bell, a light will go on. Um, and if you haven't watched Hamilton, then, you know, if you've been living under a rock the last two years, I hope that that rock was warm and cosy and dry for you. Uh, but don't worry, my preach has absolutely nothing to do with American history. You'll be pleased to know. But it has absolutely everything to do with the parable of the talents. So uh, follow me, if you will, to Matthew 25, starting at verse 14. Uh, just to give a quick overview of this passage, because uh, we will be breaking it into three sections, three the magic number three. Uh, but an overview of this passage is to say that there is a master with three servants and he gives a bag of, of gold or a talent to each of those servants depending on their ability. And he goes away. And when he comes back after a certain amount of time, he comes back to see what the servants have done whilst he's been away with what he left them. And then he rewards the two that did really well and he doesn't reward the other that didn't. Uh, that's kind of a high level overview of the, the parable. It's not actually a story about a master and three servants and money, um, although I'm sure there are lots of ways that we could lift that into the finance world and, and learn lots of important things from it. That's not actually what Jesus was doing in this moment. He was, talking, he was telling a story about himself. He was telling a story about himself as the master and us as the servants and the talent that we've got as a, as a purpose and a God-given pursuit that we need to do something with in our lifetime because one day he's going to come back and he's going to want to see what we spent our life doing. Um, so we're going to head into the scripture now, reading uh, Matthew 25, 14 and 15, just the first two verses of the parable to start with. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. So we're introduced to the first four characters, the only four characters of this story, a man and his three servants. And uh, the master decides to give uh, a sum of money, a talent to his, uh, his servants according to their ability. This word according, that phrase, according to their abilities, is really interesting. The word ability here, it doesn't actually relate to a capability or a, or a skill set that these servants had. It actually goes something deeper. In the Greek, it, it is uh, dunamis. It means power, strength, might, supernatural uh, manifestations of power miracles. It's the same word that we, we see in Acts 1.8. I think that will come along the screen as well. It says, but you will receive power, dunamis, ability, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in, Ju in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the same word that we see in the parable. Ability, dunamis, power, strength, might. See, these servants, they receive something uh, powerful. They receive uh, a sum of money according to their ability, according to the power and the strength and the might that is within them. But the interesting thing is this word dunamis. See, when it's written in the New Testament, it never relates to uh, the subject's own power. The subject's own ability or strength or might. It only ever relates to God's. Uh, we see this in Ephesians 20 where Paul says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, his dunamis, his ability that is at work within us. 
See, when we see this word ability in the parable, it's not relating to capability. It's relating to the, the measure of God, the measure of might, the measure of strength and power that they have in them. And it's according to that that the master entrusts the sum of money to his servants. So you and I, we have received a unique calling, a unique ability, a unique uh, purpose in God, according to the measure of power that we have within us. So you and I, we can, we can limit the amount that God is able to work in and through us. We can do that by our habits, by uh, our decisions, by our pursuits, by how much we, we run after God. We can actually set the limit of what power we have available to work with. And then, and then when God gives us our purpose, when God gives us something that he's tasked us to do, sometimes we can almost hold that talent, that, that purpose, and we can compare it to what someone else has got. And we can actually feel a little bit untalented. We can actually feel a little bit poor. Let me explain here what a talent is. This might help. A talent is the equivalent to 180,000 days wages. 180,000 days wages. That's a lot of wages. That's a lot of days to work. I think the average that a person actually works in a whole lifetime is sort of set around the 3,500 mark. It's definitely not 180,000. 180,000 days wages is huge. And that's in its smallest form. That's one talent. Some people receive five. Some people receive two in this story. But but at least in its smallest form, it's still 180,000 days worth of wages it's more than you can earn in a lifetime so you and I we have we have received this this kind of cash equivalent gift in us this purpose in us this thing to do that's massive it's huge it's more than we could we could uh study for it's more than we could go to degree and go to university and get degrees and hang on the walls it's more than we can youtube tutorial it's more than we can book learn it's more than we can go to a conference it's more than we can have a a life coach input into us what god has actually given us to do in this life is vast even in its smallest form it's huge you have received a purpose but it's not really yours to keep See, it's a loan. And we'll continue on in the passage, reading from verse 16, as we find out now. The man who received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. See, along with the, uh, the talent... They, the servants also had a responsibility. They had to risk what they were given. And two of the servants do this really well. Two of the servants risk what they were given and they double it. The, the first one doubles it from five to ten. And the second one doubles it from two to four. But the third servant does something really quite odd. He digs a hole and he buries it in the ground. I mean, that's pretty weird. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not like some kind of finance guru, but that is a pretty odd thing to do. Here in the UK, we don't go digging holes in the garden and, and burying money. We may put it under the uh, mattress. We may have a book that looks like a safe. In Australia, you may, I don't know, put it in a koala pouch I don't know what your deal is Uh, I don't know Um, but you probably you probably don't dig a hole in the garden and put it there but that's what we see the servant doing see in rabbinical law it's quite interesting in rabbinical law 
if someone was to give you a sum of money to hold on to and you kept it on your person or you kept it in your property and anything happened to that sum of money, you were held liable. You were held legally responsible for that money. The only way to not be legally responsible for that money was to dig a hole and bury it. And that's what this servant does. He digs a hole buries it so that he can not be legally responsible, so that he doesn't have to be answerable for the money. See, you and I, and this is the scary part, we have been given a purpose to steward, a sphere of influence, a God-given gift or ability that comes with the need to risk it. See, there's no way to handle what God has given you without risking it, actually. The... uh, the risk element to what God has given us is scary. Stepping out of the boat and stepping into something that you think God has called you to do feels really scary. The, the desire to bury your gifting is so strong. I don't doubt it. I doubt it's really strong, especially when you hold your gift and you maybe compare it to someone else. And maybe, maybe right now you're thinking, you know, I know that God speaks to me. I know that he speaks and he he tells me things and and ways to encourage and and prophesy over people. But you know what? I'm no Ruth. I can't do what Ruth does. I can't stand up and share that to Ruth. The desire to bury it is real. So what you would do in that moment, you'd think, I'll just let Ruth do it. And you just dig your hole and you bury your talent. And in that moment, what you're really hoping happens is that you're resolve it or absolving responsibility from it that you're stepping back and you're just hoping that nobody's going to call you up on it it feels the safest thing to do it's so not though can I tell you something about this passage when I read it I thought isn't it a shame that there isn't the option of a servant who takes a talent he tries really really hard to invest it but then just loses it all and then the master comes back and the servant has absolutely zero to give back to him but the the master's like well well done you tried good effort I was like why isn't there that in there like this Goldilocks syndrome that I've got why isn't there that option there's a really obvious reason why there's not that option it's because as soon as you take what God has given you and you use that power that he's put in you and you put that talent to work it's really not a real risk there's no way to lose that no one loses what he uses when you partner with God in your gifting and you start to use it you will receive a return for it the real risk is to bury it the real risk is to do nothing caution is always the greater risk because one day the master will return and he will start to issue his reward we're going to read uh, the, the final part of this parable, 19 to 30 in Matthew 25. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents bought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. 
His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown seed uh, sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who had 10 talents. For everyone who has will, will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, the first two servants, they invested their talent. They put their talent to work and uh, they were able to present it back to the master when he returned doubled. Notice that the, the, the one that has five doubles it to ten and the one that has two doubles it to four, but there isn't the expectation on the one that had two to, to get it to ten. That, that expectation doesn't exist. His role was to literally just to steward what he had. He's not trying to play catch up. He's just trying to steward what he had. And they both received the same reward. Not equally gifted, but equally praised. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. The third servant, however, owns the fact that he was scared. He comes fearful, fearful of failure, fearful of not having anything to give back, fearful of of upsetting the master or letting him down. But we see this. He comes back and he explains his fear to the master. Maybe in that moment he hopes that his incredibly generous master would also overlook what he's done, his mistakes that he's done. But the master's reaction is steep. He says, he calls him a wicked servant. He calls him lazy, wicked servant. See, this term wicked, it doesn't mean evil. I think sometimes we think it does. We, we think evil and dark and witches and all those kind of dark things. That's not what this word wicked means. It means false-hearted. It means he had a lack of allegiance. It means he wasn't all in. It means it's not that he was against his master. It's just that he wasn't really for his master. He didn't do anything. He didn't do a thing with it. Not one thing. He buried it and pretended it didn't exist. It may be worth mentioning at this point that the reward that these um, servants got, it wasn't the talent that they'd invested. It's not that the, the, the servant that had 10 talents got to keep 10 talents, right? It's not that the guy who, who received two talents got to keep four talents. That was never the reward. Did you notice what the reward was? The reward was come and share your master's happiness. Come and share my happiness. That was the reward. So you and I, when we step out in that, that moment and we, we use our God-given gifts and abilities and his purposes and his plans and we, we start walking with him in them, we get to share in our master's happiness. We get to do it eternally, for eternity. But even in the present, we get to experience that, that sharing of happiness It's not a one-way thing. Sometimes we think all this worship, this praise is a one-way thing. We know it's not. It's a two-way thing. It's a a sharing of happiness. You know, I've got three boys, and they love to love me. I've trained them well. (laughs) Yes, they do. Uh, But they're all very different boys, and they're all very unique. And so they uniquely show me that I am loved. Caleb, he's my comedian, and he he will try to make me laugh. He will tell me a joke or he'll do a prank on me, or he will, you know, one of his favorite things to do, he loves to get out of the bath and wiggle his 
naked white bottom at me. <laughs> and it's hilarious. I find it funny. Um, so, you know, he laughs and I laugh. And in that moment when we're both laughing, we're actually both kind of experiencing that happiness together. That we're experiencing in that love. <laughs> I don't do that. Richard's just assuming I do the same thing. I don't do the same thing. Uh, um, and my son Judah, my middle son, my seven-year-old, he is a romantic. So he will pick me flowers. And he will present these flowers to me as a treasure of a, of a gift to me. And I will take these flowers in that moment and I'll just, I'll appreciate the sweetness of his nature. And I'll just love him in that moment. And he loves me and I love him. And we share in that moment together. And uh, Zeke, my four-year-old, he's a total softie. And his way of showing affection to me is that he will get his little chunky hands and he'll put them on my cheeks and he'll pull me in for a probably longer than his socially acceptable kiss. <laughs> We're working on it. He's got some boundary issues. And he would just kiss me in that moment. And in that moment, I just know that his focus of affection is me. I know that I am the, the object of his love in that moment. And he is obviously the object of my love. So in that moment, it's not just about me receiving that happiness. It's about him receiving that happiness too. And that's such a picture of what God does with us. That actually, we get to share in our master's happiness. See, by contrast, the servant who didn't, the servant who didn't do anything with his talent at all, he missed out on that. His punishment was a lack of his father's presence, a lack of the master's company. He missed out on sharing in that happiness with his master because that's what we were created for. You and I were created to give glory and honor and worship to our God. That is our purpose. See, in our, our, our talents and our abilities, they're all the unique ways that we do that. So we may not have the same ability, but we all have the same responsibility. And whether you're a business owner or a, a shepherd, <laughs> I don't know, or I don't know, a shop owner. I'm trying to think of like Australian specific jobs. Shop owner, a surfer or a, a crocodile wrangler or <laughs> a, a Ramsey Street security guard, whatever, which would be the best job, to be honest. I love that. Uh, whatever your job is, whatever your role is in church and out of church, your job, your purpose, your responsibility is to step out in the purposes of God, to ask here in this moment, how can I use my God-given gifts and abilities to outwork them for your kingdom? Your kingdom isn't a Sunday-based thing. It's an everyday, all, all of your life thing that you will forever do. And in every moment, you get to ask that question, God, how do I use what you have uniquely gifted me for to grow your kingdom in this area of my life? And I've got a message specifically for mums, all you wonderful mums out there. I hope that you haven't heard this message and thought, oh my gosh, that's just another thing I've got to do. I've got so many things to do. How am I going to fit that into my mad life? I remember what it's like to have very young children. And it's relentless and it's exhausting and it's all-consuming. And to be honest, I've heard the same for teenagers. I think I'm in the sweet spot in the middle at the moment. But... Um, if that's you this morning and you're thinking, oh, God, I know that you've called me to this, but right now I just don't have capacity. I just don't have time. I want to speak this over you because I think this is a word that God gave me specifically for the mums in the house. That actually for this season, what if your talents are your children? 
that what if God has given you these talents, given you these precious opportunities of investment, that he just wants you to dedicate time, to pour into them, to love them, to discipline them, so that one day when they're grown up, we can kind of present them back to God and say, look God, look what I did, look what I did with the time that you gave me, look what I did with the abilities, with the heart, with the purpose that you gave me, and return these giants of the faith back to God. Wouldn't that be amazing? See, sometimes we can think that children are just hard work. And let's face it, they really are. (laughs) But there's this great quote from C.S. Lewis, who's an author and a fantastic Christian thinker. He says, children are not a distraction from more important work. They are the most important work. Your children may well be your talents. Steward them well. Because we have one life, one purpose. We have a master that will come back in our lifetime, let's hope. Maybe not. But he will return. And don't we all just want to hear those words? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. Don't throw away your shop. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to hand back to the team at Resound. Father God, I just thank you so much that you have uniquely gifted each one of us. We, we may not have the same ability, but Jesus, I just pray that you would help us to steward our responsibility well, God. That we would in every single way uh, pursue your kingdom. Jesus, that we would, we would use that dunamis that exists within us and we would put it to work along with what you've gifted us to do and that we would change things in your name. Lord God, would you come back pleased and proud of us in all that we've done in this lifetime. We give you glory. It's all for you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Hey, what a great message. Thanks for joining us here at Resound Church. We pray that you've been encouraged through the message and that you've grown just a little bit closer to God. While you're online, why don't you head over and give us a like on Facebook or Instagram or check out our website at resound.church. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or head over to our website resound.church forward slash app to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. Well, don't forget next week, there'll be another amazing podcast here to listen to from Resound Church. We hope you join us then.